Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. We're really mad at this restaurant. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I don't like the fancy stuck-up pool. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Born to be wild. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Don't ever let me see you acting the fool out in town. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. Today, we're going to talk about rule breakers, rule followers. Which one are you? Which one are you married to? How's it going where you live? Which kids do you parent? (laughs) Which kids do you parent? I I usually parent the ones (laughs) who live in my house. But are they rule breakers or rule followers? That's a different convo. Yeah. This was suggested by Jillian on Facebook. She said, I'd love an episode about dealing with rule followers versus rule breakers in a relationship and a ruling. I guess she's asking for us to come down on this on rules that should be followed and ones that maybe could be ignored. I am a rule follower and my husband is a rule breaker in general. Jillian, samesies. Yeah. So I think based on our kind of podcast persona that people might think I was a rule breaker. Mm -hmm. I am a huge rule follower. That surprises me. Yeah. I am the biggest rule follower and nothing gives me more anxiety than rule breakers. Like it agitates me to no end. I am on vacation right now. We're staying somewhere where there's a golf course with my in-laws and they have a golf cart that they get around their community. in. my son has gotten into driving it. My 12 year old. He loves it. I get it. But how old are you supposed to be to drive a golf cart in this community they have a rule? I don't know. That's no excuse, Margaret. That's no excuse. (laughs) And let me tell you one thing about Texas. They're not that into rules here. They're like, let's just do whatever we want. But it's a golf course. And if you know anything about golf courses, the only thing they're into is rules, right? Like it's like you've got to wear this and you've got to do this. And everyone's very serious about how golfing happens, you know, and like, oh, you spoke to near a guy who was trying to putt something and now you've ruined the day. I don't know. It's a lot. I don't know anything about golf. It's a thing and a thing. I just know that dudes take it really seriously and are into their rules about it. Yep. Yep. So then my son wants to take me out and you know, show me his driving. So we're driving around and then we're on the golf course. And the first golfer we pass, my son is telling me about some Marvel show in a very loud voice. Doing donuts. 
He's not doing donuts, but we're just talking and driving around recreationally. You're enjoying yourself on a golf course? We were enjoying ourselves, which was our first mistake. But the first golfer we pass clearly gives us a you are monsters look for being driving around while I'm trying to play golf. And then I was like, we have to go home. Like, I can't take the pressure of like people thinking I'm a monster. So I was like, all right, we'll go home and we'll go back later. I so identify when the golf course is closed or Armageddon has happened. That's when we can drive the golf cart because I can't bear. And then at some point I didn't want to pass another set of golfers. And so we were driving out on the road and I was like, I know this isn't right. And anyway, I had a major panic attack because I was not following the rules of golfers. And like my general reaction to golfers is like, you're annoying. But when they glare at me, I crumble like a house of cards, Amy. People are thinking that we're the ones people are thinking that I'm the monster. I can think like top three most stressful events of my life was being in a restaurant with other people and their children, certain children. Oh, it's the worst. I stopped doing it. Right. Are you getting the chills right now? Certain children who were not mine were running around the restaurant just being, no. you know, like yelling and screaming and being disruptive. Oh, I would have to fake a heart attack and leave. Yeah, somebody at the next table. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> You're like, I'm on your team. You're trying to signal with your eyes. They're not my children. Right. Not hashtag not my kids. Yes, I am an upholder. And I think that's what it is that I it's, you know, the people looking at you thinking you've done something wrong. That's what I'm afraid of having that moment. I mean, I like rules and all, but I'm really afraid. I think that's what it is. I believe the example from the Facebook group, and I just related to it so much, was that there was a sign that said, you know, no dogs allowed in the lake or something. They were walking around a lake mm -hmm. and the husband was throwing a stick to the dog in the lake. And she was just like, we're standing right next to a sign that says no dogs in the lake. And the husband's like, no one's around. And she just, that's the situation. Because the other problem with this is that you become either you just center all the anxiety in your own spine and sit there being tortured by the anxiety, or you become kind of the stick in the mud that's like, the sign says we're not supposed to have the dog in the water, you know? Right. And that's where I am an unbelievable congenital absolutely committed rule follower. I cannot enjoy myself when rules are being broken. Just to take the other side of this, because I think there's often a rule follower and a rule brick. It's kind of like good cop, bad cop, but it's a little bit different because it's more about society's perception of you and are you doing the right thing. Right. But if you're a rule breaker by nature, yeah, and you're married to somebody who's a rule follower by nature... You sort of have a choice, which is to go along with what the stick in the mud parent wants to do. Like, okay, you know, the sign says the pool closes at seven, so we're going to go. We're not going to stay till 7.15 because the pool closes at seven. Or you start on the don't tell mom thing. Like you start to like getting the kids to sort of side with you. Like, let's not tell the stick in the mud parent that we're having ice cream at 6 p.m. or we're staying at the pool 15 minutes too late or we're throwing the dog a stick even though it says not to. You either sort of, and both are bad, right? Yes. You either go along and resent or you get the kids to follow you on the like, we're having fun over here side. Why are you such a pain with your rules all the time? Yeah. Which enrages the rule follower, if I may speak from completely hypothetical personal experience. <laughs> You're just pulling this out of thin air. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but I get it. I have found a huge solution to this, but I don't want to spoil us right in the beginning with my solutions. Okay. So there's a psychologist named Michelle Gelfand. She's written a book called Rulemakers, Rule Breakers. 
Can you believe it? Oh, Michelle. Yeah. We salute you. (laughs) She argues that whether it's a marriage or a company or an entire country or an entire world or a society deciding if you're going to wear masks or not, that how tightly or loosely we adhere to social norms is the number one thing that determines how we think and act. She's like, this is more important than anything else if you're a real breaker or a real follower. Agree. Yeah. And I think there's part of that. I don't know if this is part of her thesis, but this is the thing I say all the time. There needs to be everybody to find the center. Yeah. And that is an important part of being alive that I think that we've lost track of in big picture and small picture ways right now. Yes. There needs to be extremists so that we know where the center is, you know? And I think that one thing that has happened in our lives writ large now is that we felt like there's team A and team B and that it really functions better when there's a spectrum and that there's a lot of people in the center of the spectrum. Yes, I guess so. So she says that she calls it tight or loose, that cultures, people, you know, countries were either tight or loose and that there is a biological imperative. Of course, rules are good. Rules are formed in the face of what she says are ecological challenges, maybe high population density, threats from the outside, the White Walkers, there's going to be a lot of rules. And that that's a time of tight cultures and tight people. Maybe people who grow up rigidly or with a lot of rules grew up with, you know, a lot of strictures coming from the outside in their environment. Although I was just talking to my husband last night. He said, what are you guys going to record tomorrow? And I, I started talking to him about this. And... He said, well, I'm a rule breaker. And I was like, yeah, I would have pegged you as that, actually. I've noticed. I like to come over Born to be wild. Born to be wild. He said, like, my neighborhood was a little tough when I grew up. And it kind of was. And and he's like, that made me tough. That made me break a rule because I had to to survive. So he was arguing that his petri dish in which he was grown made him to be a rule breaker or a rule tester, I would say. Mm Mm-hmm. Like he's the one, my husband likes to be the last one down the jetway before the doors close. Right. It's hilarious that you guys are married to each other. Oh my God. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. It's just like, how about this? How about this? How about this? You know, if I pull into a parking spot, well, if he pulls into a parking spot and you're sort of, you know, he's like maybe 15 degrees off the parking spots and maybe the person next to him would have a slightly harder time getting in. I'm like, you're not straight. You should straighten out. And he's like, it's fine. They can get in. And it's like, you're not straight. Just pack pack up and do it. Just there there are lines. There are lines for a reason. Well, you know, it waxes and wanes, but there are. It waxes and wanes. But there are times. My husband is probably closer to a rule follower and we're both rule followers. Yeah. I was thinking my parents growing up were both rule followers. Definitely. I mean, rule creators and rule followers. And so that's how I grew up. My dad was a rule enforcer as well. I mean, like we would be stuck in traffic. And if someone tried to drive up the shoulder to get around the traffic and cut everyone else off, he would pull his car out into the lane and block it. I love that guy. Not only couldn't he stand breaking rules, other people breaking rules was his kryptonite. This will not pass. Not on his watch, man. Not on his watch. But I want to go back to something you were saying earlier, because I think it's really interesting that It really is a spectrum. Too much rule following. Let me point you to a little novel called The Scarlet Letter, Nathaniel Hawthorne. I just reread it recently, and it's an amazing etude on this whole, like, the idea that they live in this strictly, strictly puritanical society where, like, 
any deviance from the norm is hugely problematic. And that there's this whole thing about like what's going on in the woods and the woods kind of represents, right? Like the other world that like in the woods, nothing is defined and therefore anything is possible from like, you know, great love to like wolves eating your face off. Like right. in the woods, anything is possible, but where we live, nothing is possible. So nothing bad happens. And that rules the, limit possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Like rules limit possibilities. So they also rule out bad things happening. Yes. And so that's the upside of the strict rules, but rules also mean that we tack a big scarlet A on your chest if you walk outside the lines, which is not great either. Mm -hmm. But I think that the idea of like historically, the more dangerous and unsettling the world, the stricter people cling to rules is really interesting and informative. And yeah. And, and we get into some uh, difficult areas maybe where we have sort of our eyes on other people's paper. Correct. Like why did Hester Prynne have to wear the scarlet letter? Why was it so important that society knew that she broke the rules so there wouldn't be more children of wedlock because the whole role of society was to enforce behavior through shame mm -hmm. that like if you step outside of the rules which is still true the feeling that you're feeling when those kids are running around the restaurant is that you have a giant scarlet a on your chest that says like this person doesn't know how to parent it's still the same concept which is that <laughs> As a society, we enforce our norms through shame. That is what we do. Yes. And I have argued much to people's chagrin on this podcast that sometimes that is okay. That like, I don't want to be a at a restaurant where kids are running around and grabbing food off my plate. So therefore, mm -hmm. I'm kind of fine with like glaring at a mom whose kid in a, listen, I'm not at a McDonald's. Yeah, this was a nice-ish restaurant. We normalize what we want as a society through shame, which is problematic in many ways. But I also think it is our sort of, it is a base operating system of ours as humans. You know, it occurs to me, the real enemy in this situation, so this restaurant where the kids were running around, the real enemy was a restaurant that was overwhelmed. It was crowded. It did not have enough wait staff. And so everybody in that restaurant had been waiting at least an hour for their entrees to arrive. So they're, everyone's already mad. Everybody's really mad. We're really mad at this restaurant who took too many reservations, you know, on a Saturday night. But the real problem was all of us have been waiting too long for our food, this table with children and this nice, you know, table without children that thought they were going to have a, a fancy dinner on a Saturday night. We all had the same problem, but we're going to blame each other because the thing that we can't control is being worsened, you know, by other people's decisions that they could control. At least they thought so. I mean, after an hour, yeah, kids are going to get a little rambunctious and run around if you didn't bring enough for them to do. I'll tee you up with another situation because I think this is real break a rule follower. There is a very fancy pool that I sometimes go to with my kids, and it's got a million rules. Like, you're not allowed to change into your bathing. You have to wear clothes, and then you have to change into your bathing suit out of sight, and then you have to come, and you're not allowed to this, and there's no floaties allowed, and you're not allowed to this. And if you have a drink, you have to be here. It's a million rules. And I'm always like, these people with their stupid rules, and I associate it with a certain level of snobbery that they have about them as people. And I'm like, I hate this pool and I hate these small-minded people with their stupid pool rules, right? But then we go to another pool 
And it's a free for all. Like kids, people are throwing footballs and people are drinking beer and walking around the water. And I'm like, I know what they're up to. I know they're not getting out and going to the bathroom. They're just drinking beer all day in the pool and that. And I'm like, this is the grossest and I can't stand this. And I think it kind of sums up the debate about rules. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't like the fancy stuck up pool where there's too many rules, but I see the chaos that happens mm-hmm. when you're just like, this is a pool with no rules. And I got hit in the head 10 times with the football and there's, 10 guys like with a boom box playing music I don't want to listen to and drinking beer in this pool. And I don't like either pool. I want to watch that after school special, The Pool with No Rules. The Pool with No Rules. And I'm like, you know what? I think I might be a snob. Like, I don't actually like this pool. I have a thought about that. Let's take a break. I'll explain right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby's skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. More and more, you hear about the importance of electrolytes as part of staying hydrated because you need the sodium and the potassium, not just the water. And whether you're looking to hydrate during a workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing and without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. They're little packets you can just grab and take with you to mix into your water bottle on the go. My favorite flavor so far, Amy, gotta be the cherry pomegranate. Interesting. My high schooler likes the lemon lime, and she keeps a few handy in her backpack for days that she has practiced after school. These electrolytes have the sodium and the potassium that you need to go with it in the optimal ratio for daily hydration. Visit sportsresearch.com and use code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's sportsresearch, S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate electrolytes order. So in the last episode, we talked about competition and kids. Yes. And participation trophies. And should there be participation trophies or not? What was interesting to me about this argument about whether there should be participation trophies or not is that out of the people questioned, the more likely they were to hold a position of power, the more likely they were to think that trophies should only be for the winners, not for everybody. Amy, you just said a mouthful there. Yes. Yeah. So the more likely you are to have a position where the status quo of society benefits you, like, like if you were born a winner, then you think trophies are only for winners, right? If you can afford to belong to a country club and spend your weekends golfing, then you think there should be a lot of rules that protect your ability to golf and not have to listen to loud music or whatever the rules are. 
This also ties into something we've discussed, which is the Oprah Winfrey phenomenon. What's that? Where Oprah Winfrey is always like, I always knew I would be Oprah. Like she says it a million times. And we're like, uh, excuse me, Oprah. We all thought we were going to be Oprah. Like just because it happens to you doesn't mean it was your destiny, you know? And I think that successful people also feel that they were chosen for success. And therefore, you know, it's like the winner thinks they won through merit sometimes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I'm here because I was destined to be here or I worked hard or I this and that. And I think it is hard for the winner to always see that like, Life is kind of plinko board, oldie lux alert. Back in my day. And like it bounces in all sorts of weird directions for all sorts of different reasons. Can we talk about kids for a second? Because I have a study. No, Amy, on a parenting <laughs> podcast, why would we talk about kids? Don't be absurd. How dare you? Somebody wanted to study whether kids were sort of inherent rule followers. Is this, you know, born or bred? I want to know the answer to that. Okay. So there was a study. Journal of Experimental Child Psychology. I know you're familiar with it. Oh, I'd like to read it, you know, three or four times a day. I have them bound, those binders that come bound. Keep them on my shelf. Just to keep abreast of the latest. So Jessica Brigant was a psychology student, and she and others presented kids from ages four to ten with stories about a boy named Timmy who broke a rule. And then they asked them to decide, should Timmy... First of all, did he break a rule? And second of all, should he be punished? So here was the story that was set up. Timmy goes to a school where they have a school library, but you can't take home more than four books at a time. That's the rule. And they explain to the kids that the rule, it's only four books because that's how much you can fit in your backpack. And any more than that, the books could get lost or dirty. And so only four. Next, the kids were told that Timmy took home six books because he had a friend who was sick and he wanted his friend to have some books to read. So they were all told that, but then they were split into two groups. And the first group was told, but Timmy brought an extra big backpack that week that could fit all six books. Okay. In other words, that he followed the spirit of the rule. Like he understood that the backpack wasn't big enough, so I'll bring a bigger backpack. You know, maybe an extenuating circumstance. And the second group of kids were, you're supposed to take home four books, and he took home six. Okay. So the scientists purposefully did this. They let one group of kids know. It's a lot to unpack in that story. My goodness. Yes. (laughs) I thought you were going to say they told him that the friend wasn't really sick. Did Timmy? Oh, my God. That would be a good one. So, yeah. So Timmy had a really good reason. Law and order Timmy's backpack. Timmy really went to the mat, I think. He's bringing (laughs) home two extra books. His friend is sick. He brought a different backpack. So... Out of these two groups of kids, how many would say that Timmy broke the rule? So for the kids who didn't have it explained to him that he actually brought an extra big backpack to carry all the books, 100% of them said he broke the rule and 100% of them said he should be punished. Wow. Narcs. What a bunch of narcs. Okay. Yeah. Like he broke the rule. And the group who were told, you know, he broke the rule, but, 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 and the extra backpack, 93% of them said, yes, he broke the rule. But only 4% of them said he should be punished. So what they got out of this study was basically that like kids like rules and we were born liking rules and wanting there to be rules and agreeing that there should be rules, but that kids, you know, as young as six, seven, eight can understand, but you can break a rule and not be punished for it, that there are gray areas. Yeah, because kids also really like fairness. That's another thing that kids really like, you know, like kids really like things to seem really fair. So that makes sense to me. 
That's a really subtle example. I thought you were going to go with something much... I don't know. There's a lot going on in Timmy's story. Timmy broke into the library. (laughs) I thought Timmy burnt the library down, but you're like, no, he had a sick friend who wanted a book. Leave Timmy alone. I guess, yeah, I'm going along with these kids. Like, yeah, I want there to be a rule. I want there to know. And we always talk about how kids who test behavior are testing what the rules are. Rules make us feel safe. I mean, I'm a rule upholder. Well, kids are the Puritans in Scarlet Letter. Yeah, Timmy has told us to wear the A. (laughs) But kids want, there's a lot of safety in rules. That's the whole point of the Scarlet Letter. It's like what they're afraid of is the danger of the woods. And so they cling so strongly to these rules. And that's a good parallel for all very tight societies, right? I mean, if you grew up in a very strictly religious household, you might recognize this. Like the tightness of the rules is because there is a perception of the woods that like right outside of these rules is a tremendous amount of danger. And that's how kids feel too. And also that's kind of a reality for kids. Like for my kids, it's like, I don't want you running in the street. They're not ready to do a lot of stuff. There is a lot of danger to kids, right? And so that's why the rules stay really tight. And they also have a tremendous sense of disorder. And I often say to people, stealing from my mom, that what I hear is from your kid is a boundary-seeking behavior. They are looking for you to rein them back in because they don't want to test the bounds, like you said, and feel like there's no rules there. And so I think rules for kids, and my mom would always say as well, that the walls of the rules should be tighter than you actually want them to be. So like I would say to my kids right now who are middle schoolers, there is no cursing allowed in this house. You know, cursing is absolutely not allowed. And then one of my kids will say, you know, hell, let's say, for example. And it's like, Oh, watch out what you say. Like, I keep the rules so much tighter. And then they think they're rebels for cursing once, you know, and that's how I want it in my house. I like to keep the rules really tight so that my rule breakers feel like they're being outrageous and they're really still within the bounds of where I want them to be. There's this sort of notion, you know what Rumspringa is? It's the the Amish thing. Oh, I know what Rumspringa is, Amy, because I watch the reality show about the Amish kids. (laughs) I never watch the reality show. I just know it as a concept. Right. So the idea is you turn, I believe, 18, might be 16. When you're Amish, yes. When you're Amish, you turn 18 or 16, and you're basically sent out into the world for, I believe, a year, a full year, a season, to go try it. Go ahead. You know, go live in the city and, you know, do all the TikToks that you want and wear what you want. Get an iPad. Get an iPad. Yep. Right. And live that life and then decide for yourself if you're going to, to use your metaphor, like live in the woods or, you know, live here with our rules and where it's safe. And I guess the idea is you don't want rebels from within. It protects the community as a whole to have everybody there be bought into the society. Yep. It keeps the society tight. It keeps the rules tight. You're not constantly having conversations about like, oh, why is it this way? And why can't we do it this way? Like you had your chance, right? You could have it the other way. You got to do it the other way. And then you've satisfied that for yourself. I want to make one clarification, though, because I think it's important. Rules that keep people safe are different than rules that keep people from being the people they are, the people they want to be and need to be. Oh, okay. Break this down for me. This is an important thing about rules. So my rule of you're not allowed to run in the street keeps you safe. 
But my rule that you're not allowed to play music because we are a family that doesn't believe in music is a different kind of a rule. My rule that you are not allowed to be in a same-sex relationship because our family doesn't believe in that is a different kind of rule than the rule that And now some people would believe that like, this is the double-edged sword that is rules. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. If you're a Puritan or maybe even Amish, you would say, no, 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 no. Being in a relationship that's out of wedlock, it is unsafe. It is just as dangerous. Yeah. And to some degree, I'm squashing my kids' ability to express themselves by being like, you're not allowed to curse in my house. Like maybe that's how they best express themselves. I don't know. And so I don't want to leave without acknowledging that rules are problematic always, no matter how we do this. Like it is hard to find a balance between like live in the woods, go nuts. Uh oh, you got eaten by a wolf and stay in our community, wear the scarlet letter. If you step outside of the rules, now we are all safe. Like that, the trick is finding the right sweet spot between the puritanical community and the woods. So I have a study which would argue that we do need to give our kids that balance or that ability to break some rules or think they are. All right, hit me. There's a study that found that kids who are minor to moderate rule breakers. Yes. Are more likely to grow up to be leaders. Yes, of course. In the world for their career than complete rule followers. Of course, you can stretch the rubber band too far. Kids who were major rule breakers, not so much, not so much in leadership positions as adults. But that some level of testing and I don't know, sneaking out of the house is actually how leadership qualities of the future are grown. My husband would argue that. My husband says he believes that he is comfortable like in gray areas. Yeah. He's comfortable living in the gray areas and making tough decisions. And he thinks maybe, you know, that's what helps him be a leader when the times he needs to be a leader. And that that was enabled. He draws a line back to like his slightly gritty having to make his way through the high school locker room upbringing. Sure. It's a tightrope metaphor, right? That like a tightrope is a huge skill to be able to walk it, but it's a danger and you have to practice that skill to get good at it. You know, I'm sure he does a lot of tightrope walking in his job and career now. And like, it's because he spent time on the tightrope, but I don't want my kids on the tightrope. I want them safe, tucked in bed. I want them (laughs) in the puritanical community because... And I think that this is a lot of stuff that gets talked around around grit and self-esteem and snowplow parenting. And like we make our kids' lives too easy and therefore they never develop that skill that your husband's talking about, which is like, I am wily enough to walk this tightrope. Yeah. And that's a tricky one. It's a tricky one because if the kid only spends time on the tightrope, then they grow up to be a circus performer. I mean, <laughs> nobody wants that. They'd run off and join the circus. Mama, don't let your kids grow up to be circus performers. Don't let your kids... Yeah, so finding the balance between those two things, I think is really hard. But I also think that you can... I think in fostering some of the skills that are like, okay, Boy Scouts, like, can you do seven days in the woods and carve your own wood and cook dinner and use this really sharp knife, even though you're in the seventh grade and... Sports, you know, can you survive with this group and thrive? And there are places in which kids can find that. But yeah, I mean, it's a risk reward scenario a little bit, isn't it? Let's take a break. When I, I have an idea that I've seen put into practice that I think helps with these kids to make them like have just the right amount of rule breaking. Good, good. I'm feeling lost. All right. From we get back. 
Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Hello, Hellions. You know we listen to a lot of podcasts that aren't our own. And today we want to tell you about a podcast that really speaks to us and will speak to any parent of a child with special education needs. The podcast is called Understood Explains. This season of the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Ortube, and it's all about how to navigate individual education plans, also known as IEPs. The latest season of Understood Explains covers topics like how to tell if your child needs an IEP, and it busts common myths about special education. One of my kids has an IEP, and I found this podcast so validating and so helpful. I feel better equipped to advocate for my child's educational needs now. This podcast is helpful for parents in many different situations, whether your child already has an IEP or you're just starting to wonder if they might need extra support in the classroom. Juliana has content for kids of all ages and for kids who are learning English as an additional language as well. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. And now, Rule Follower Moms versus Rule Breaker Moms. From the What Fresh Hell podcast, Rule Follower Mom knows that an orderly flow of cars ensures that the drop-off line operates most efficiently. Rule Breaker Mom knows that if she can just squeeze in in front of that mom whose kid always takes forever getting his trombone out of the trunk, she's going to save herself 15 minutes this morning. Rule Follower Mom knows that a strict bedtime routine is just the thing to keep her kids on schedule and well-rested. Rule breaker mom. Just sat down and watched Love Island on her phone. We'll chase the kids into bed as soon as she can find the energy. Rule follower mom. Understands that creative play helps children's developing brains. Rule breaker mom. Is this going to hide in the bathroom for a few more minutes and hope her kid forgets that she wants her to make a Play-Doh restaurant? Rule follower mom. Knows that a night out with friends should end at a reasonable hour or she'll be no good to anyone in the morning. Rule breaker mom. Knows that living on a prayer isn't going to dance to itself. Let's go, ladies. Woo! This has been Rule Follower Mom versus Rule Breaker Mom. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Okay, we're back. Amy, I'm looking to you. I lurk to you for solutions. 
I'm picturing uh, the pressure cooker. I was just using my pressure cooker to cook frozen chicken breast this week. I'm still like in shock that you can put frozen. Chi- it just doesn't seem right, but it works. But you know how it has that valve that you yes that, like lets out a little bit of steam and you can let out a lot of steam. But you know you can control how much steam is coming out. I have to call you offline because I have no idea how to make that work. But yes, okay, you can do it. All right, I'm breaking a rule right now. I'm like you don't cook frozen chicken, you'll die. I'm frightened of it. I'm frightened of it. Nope, it worked. So my daughter goes to uh, sleepaway camp in the summer, which of course is like all about rules. These girls actually wear uniforms. It's a rule that they think makes it so so there's so much less drama, competition, whatever to talk about. Everybody's wearing a white t-shirt and green shorts. And my daughter's totally bought in. It's like, I love it. I don't think about what I'm wearing. I just get up and put on the same thing everybody else is wearing. But this camp, which has all these rules, also has sneak out night. And each cabin is given one sneak out night. And it is the camp knows, you know, the camp is in charge, right? So the fourth, fifth graders have no idea that the owners of the camp are fully aware that it's sneak out night for the fourth grade. By the time you're going to like seventh and eighth grade, she sent me a letter that said, we were all, you know, our cabin had to leave activity a little early tonight. And we were all told, make sure we get ready for bed extra quickly. So we all knew it was sneak out night. And then they sneaked out late mm. and they got to go to the gymnastics barn in their pajamas and they got da 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 da. And the rest of her letter is all about sneak out night and how it's the most amazing thing. And it, I just think that for kids, we can put this stuff in place. Even if we're rule followers, we can have sneak out night. We can have backwards dinner where you have ice cream first. You know, we can put these, you know, we're breaking this rule and isn't it delicious and fun in a way that's actually totally safe that will give our kids, I think, like a real boost of excitement and a sort of motivation, you know, that they can do something like that by themselves and they can survive this thrilling experience that actually has very careful parameters put on it. Amy, I'm not sold. I was coming back looking for a solution and I'm not (laughs) sure this is it. You don't think so? You don't think sneak out night is it? I just feel like I talk all the time about like my kid is in a little band with his friends and all of the parents were like one of the parents especially was like two of the parents were real musicians. And I'm like, your parents didn't form your band. Didn't you form your band to say, you know, blank you to your parents? Like (laughs) now we're forming a band for the kids. It just, I don't know that it's going to come from like, make sure to leave activity early because tonight's the night you sneak out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's not said that's like winked at. You don't think like looking the other way and sort of putting this stuff in place for our kids lets them feel like they're getting away with something, but nobody's running into the road. I mean, I think that introducing it maybe, but I also think that it's a gradual move that you're not totally in control. I think as long as you're totally in control of it, my guess is it's not serving its intended purpose, you know? But I think it's a gradual move from like the Puritans to the woods, basically, that that's your aim overall is to move your kid through that process so that it is age appropriate for a very young child to have very little freedom and all rules. And that as your kid grows, you're giving them less and less rules. You're setting expectations, but not rules. And now like my kid walks into town with his friends with money after school and like buys snacks and visits a bunch of different stores. And I always say, you're going to really rue the day that I drive by and I see you guys fooling around or being rude to a person who runs a shop. Like, don't ever let me see you acting the fool out in town. But other than that, you're on your own. But there's still this kind of overall rule. 
because at some point they're going to have to navigate the woods without you, you know? And so it's not so much that I'm opposed to sneak out night. Like it gives you like giving them that sense maybe when they're young of like the rules can change and be adaptable and making sure they're adaptable. But I think it probably has to come from actual real world experience. And it has to come from the experience of a kid at camp saying, let's sneak out tonight, you and me. It's not sneak out night. We're going, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe they go and face the consequences or maybe the test is like, am I strong enough to say no to this? Or, you know, like, I think it has to be tested in the real world. In the real world, going back to that Michelle Gelfand's book, Rule Makers and Rule Breakers, she talks about the Goldilocks principle and when rules get problematic. She's talking about more society at large, although she does apply it throughout the book from people to nations. This stuff applies. The Goldilocks principle is just that when rules are too tight, you're going to run the other way. No, this doesn't work for me. I'm going to swing way too far in the other direction. And then again, when rules are too loose, like Macaulay Culkin and Home Alone, you're going to just want your mom to come you're home. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> it's not that fun. <laughs> yeah. Or you're going to end up a kid from a different movie. I don't know. Kids or something. Like, there's no rules. Right. Yeah. And what she says, the sweet spot is sort of ambidexterity that you can swing from, you know, from rules to not rules. She talked about, she wrote an article for, I think it was The Guardian, where she talked about New Zealand. Like, who's getting COVID right? New Zealand got COVID right. And she said they have cultural ambidexterity because when you think about, like, who lives in New Zealand, they're totally chill. Do you know any people from New Zealand? I know one guy. No. They're the most, like, all right. They're the most laid back, relaxed, whatever, up for anything. Sure, mate, whatever. But when the pandemic happened, they, like, locked down faster, sooner with these crazy restrictions, which meant they were back to, like, rock concerts, you know, a year before the rest of us. And that, is sort of to be aimed for, but is really hard to achieve. But I think the overall point is exactly right. That like the sweet spot is not deep in the woods and it's not in the Puritans. It's like on the edge of the woods, you know, that like you can return to safety if you need to, but you have the skills to survive in the real world. And I think there is a role to be played. I said earlier that I had a solution and I do think that this is important. Oh, yes. That, spouses or other people in your life can play this role. And I realize that there are situations that I should take myself out of because I have become, as I've gotten older and much more nervous, as a kid, I was a rule breaker. I was always the kid, like with 400 uniform violations, I went to Catholic (laughs) school. I mean, I was a rebel without a clue. You know, I was just like, I thought I was all that with my rule breaking and my like, you know, No one tells me what to do. Like that was my whole persona, which was kind of ridiculous. But as I got older, I just retreated further. And now I'm like the head of the Puritan community. I'm like, you will get a scarlet A on your chest if you so much as, you know, tall, tall Puritan hat. So when we go on vacation, my brother-in-law who, you know, grew up on a lake and actually two of my brothers-in-law, both are super lake boaty people. I know that they go fast on the lake and they have fun. And they recently, you know, my 
kid was just out with his uncle on a boat and he's like, we went over 60 miles an hour. Do you think they would have gone 60 miles an hour if I'd been on that boat? I would have been like, no. The posted placard says 40 miles an hour is the top speed and you have precious cargo on board. And uh, no. And so, you know what I do? I stay at home. Yeah. And also spaces and places. But can I ask, do you have a trust in that situation? You, you must that your brother-in-law is keeping your kids safe at some level. Like their boundaries are more loose than yours, but you're not literally like he might go 80 miles an hour. Or do you just like, I'm not going to think about it because I can't tell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's in the keeping kids safe business, but right. he just has a very different set point for what's safe and fun than I do. And I think that teenagers and teenage boys, maybe especially, although maybe that's gendered of me, like should sneak off into the woods and jump off big cliffs. Like, I think they should do that. I think it's an important part of their development. And I think it is an important part of becoming braver and risk-taking and and developing skills that are really going to serve them well. But I am not able to be part of that experience because I would be like, let's check and see if we can Google the depth of the water here. and And so... Yes. And of course, like my brother-in-law loves my kids and stuff, and he's not going to do anything to put them in danger. But we just have very different ideas about where where that line is. And so I think it is important. <laughs> my brother-in-law is also a former Marine and like his lunatic friends are like, right. 90 foot cliff, let's try it. And like one of them broke their legs doing it. Like, But I would assume he wouldn't bring my 10 year old on that outing. You know what I mean? But I think that it's good to expose your kids to people who have different set points and you cannot start, which I know people do and I have been guilty of myself, that a risk-free life is an ideal life for a child. It is not. That's what I was just thinking. Like the only reason this stuff is fun is because... It involves risk. I was going to say because it involves rules. Like in order to have the thrill of breaking the rules, you have to have the rules in place. Right. No, no, no. Exactly right. Part of this whole thing is you back on shore like, oh, my gosh, don't even tell me. I can't believe you went that fast. Oh, my gosh, that sounds so scary. Right. Exactly. And that I have to say that I spent a couple of years resenting my role in the microcosm because it's not the fun role, right? My role is to be like, no, you really going to be more prudent to wear sunscreen. and remember And yes, sunscreen is good. Like the reason you're the nest, but you got to let the bird fly. That's the two sides of it. And I think that what I have realized is that I have to close my eyes to let the bird fly Mm -hmm. and that I have to outsource that to other people. Even driving the golf cart, I'm like, uh, you know, of course, like at some point I read a story about a kid who was killed rolling over a golf cart, you know, and then I'm like, golf carts are really when you think about them there's not even a seatbelt and they don't go that fast but they go there in traffic like a kid could die in a golf cart you know and so i like them to spend time in places where they're able to do much more daring things because risk and breaking rules is an important part of growth but i'm not able to witness it that's what i've found but at least you know the nest exists and that's important too right and for them to return to that and to know that they feel safe We want our kids to grow up to be New Zealanders who can um, ascertain their own risk levels and put rules in place and go either way and not be like rules are for losers or nobody can ever have any fun. We do want our kids to be somewhere in the middle. That's right. I think the Goldilocks example is perfect. There is a porridge that is just right in this and it takes a lot of safety in the nest, but it takes a sneak out night that is not 
designated by the camp, too. That's what I think. I think it takes actually sneaking out. You know, I think mm. it takes really breaking the rules. But you can let your five-year-old stay up too late on a Tuesday and have the thrill of that. And that's a good way to do it. Yeah, for sure. That's right. And little kids live in mm-hmm. Hester Prinville. Little kids live in the puritanical community. But you can't keep them safe from the woods forever. That's what I think I've come out in just talking about this. We solved it. <laughs> it's remarkable. I think we solved this one. And it's hard. I struggle with it. I struggle. I want everyone in the nest all the time. I like all the little chickadees gathered around. Yeah. Well, mine is about to leave the nest starting college. I was going to say permanently, but I don't want you to cry. Yeah. He's ready. Yeah, He's ready. He's just there. Right. Exactly. If you do a really good job and they walk away and don't look back, then wow, what a good job you did, mom. <laughs> Roots and wings, mama. You did it. Just I'll get you a little placard. Good job. Friends, we want you to subscribe to the What Fresh Hell podcast. This is super important, people. If you're just listening, we love you, but we need you to subscribe. That way you'll get all the great What Fresh Hell content. You'll never miss an episode. Be a subscriber, please. Or it might say follow, like if you're on Spotify or Overcast. I'm an Overcast user. You press follow, you know, whatever. Press the button. Yeah. Okay. So that's follow. Just commit. Let's make a commitment here today, people. Let's be rule followers. (laughs) We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, friends. Bye-bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact invented. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was... Steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk, and let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.